When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SCP-6789, Return, Return, Return. The SCP universe is one that is so very often focused around death. The death of individuals, the death of cities, the death of planets, and even the end of death. It therefore doesn't spend nearly as much time looking at things that provide new life aside from occasionally resetting things with SCP-2000. The SCP we'll be looking at today is entirely focused around creating new life, and as you can imagine, the SCP Foundation has a real problem with that. The article for SCP-6789 begins with a message sent by 051 to 059 concerning the SCP-6789 files. It seems that they recently found these files inside of Site-01's Deep Well archives, designed for long-term storage. 051 says that the files are troubling as they describe events that never occurred and their initial creation date is approximately 50,000 years ago. Despite this, the first file is dated as August 30th, 1825. The file describes SCP-6789 as a roughly 20 meter by 20 meter area of space located within the sub-basement boiler room of the Rolander General Steel Factory in Czestochowa, Poland. I covered the Rolander factory recently in my video on the Queen's Gambit 001 proposal, but it's clear that this isn't meant to be the exact same structure. For one, that factory was meant to be a general hub of all industrialization, whereas this one is just a steel factory. The other factory was also not located in Czestochowa, but rather near Krakow. More notably, however, this document is from 1825, while the James Rollander of the base timeline wasn't even born until 1860. Regardless, the anomalous trait of this 20 meter by 20 meter area is that the growth speed of organic material inside of it is greatly increased. Despite being shielded from sunlight and isolated to sufficient sources of water, the anomaly is capable of hosting a microcosm of floral and faunal life. Organisms present within the area have been observed to be sustained indefinitely through unknown means barring interference from outside phenomena. Before the anomaly manifested, the room was home to the main power source for the factory, but it has since been rendered non-functional due to plant growth. Several witnesses claim to have felt a rhythmic pulsing originated from within the room, but these claims are unverified and are being investigated. A number of years later, in 1890, an interview was conducted with Thomas Williams, the current head of the factory's technical repair system. The interview was conducted by a member of the Foundation, although their title is listed as 
Magister, which is quite unusual. William states that he's managed steel production in this factory for 20 years, and worked here for 20 years before that. He lost his left hand to the mill, and has seen others fare far worse. When he heard that there was something wrong with their boiler, he figured it must have been the new hours that management had been pushing on them, since they had been producing at twice the speed with half the infrastructure since the war. When he went down to check out the basement, however, he saw roots sprouting from the ground before his eyes and rabbits springing from thin air. They started leaving windows open for the animals to leave, and for the first time in years he saw birds flock to the vacant trees nearby. He describes it as having a calmness to it that they all felt. They used to go down there during their breaks just to stand amongst the flowers and the rabbits. Sometimes they'd even sleep down there and have the most vivid of dreams. He says that it was like they were standing on a conduit for nature itself, and sometimes if you were quiet and alone, you could feel a great heart pounding underground. He didn't feel any fear at this, but rather peace. Eventually, he had to tell his bosses about this, although he didn't say too much. He asked if they might slow production for a little while to figure out what they had down there, but the bosses didn't seem to understand and refused to see it for themselves. Instead, they gave him a shiny new machine and told him to fix the problem. Williams didn't want to, but they said they'd come after his staff and his family, cutting their wages. So ultimately, he torched the room, tore out the old machine that had been rendered non-functional, and put the new one in. His staff hated him for doing it, calling him a monster, and he still remembers the sounds that the room made when it burned. He doesn't know what drove him to defile such a gift of nature, either greed, or fear, or both. He asks the Magister to tell him if anything happens down there, as it must be able to regrow. The Magister tells him that so far they have found no activity, but he'll be kept in the loop as long as he adheres to their confidentiality agreement. Two days later, however, Williams disappeared from his house during the night, and efforts to determine his whereabouts have been inconclusive. The following day, on-site research teams reported that the rooms adjacent to the anomaly had begun exhibiting anomalous properties identical to that of the original room. Upon closer examination, it was found that the area of SCP-6789's influence has begun to increase at a steady pace of 0.6 meters every 24 hours. Initial efforts to halt the spread of this anomaly have failed, and further study is ongoing. With that, we're given the next iteration of the 6789 file from 1947. Now, SCP-6789 is the designation for the area formerly known as the city of Czestochowa, Poland. The area is capable of generating massive vegetation, typically exceeding 20 meters in height. Genetic analysis of this flora reveals that it is an amalgamation of various species of conifers, ferns, shrubs, grasses, herbs, and flowers. 
It's believed that more than 79% of Chestahova's area is overgrown by anomalous flora. The entire area is capable of generating life through unknown means, although the density of flora and fauna increases as one approaches the geometrical center of the anomaly. Remote analysis of the area is impossible due to dense foliage, making manned operations the only viable option. The ecology within the area is inconsistent, with the same organisms rarely seen in consecutive explorations. While observed life forms are typically analogous to non-anomalous species, they frequently possess significant biological differences, suggesting millions of years of speciation occurred within the span of several decades. Additionally, flora generated by the anomaly has a mimetic effect that will force humans bearing a cognitive resistance value of less than 20 to lose consciousness. Affected individuals appear to enter a state of stasis, effectively protecting them from malnourishment or dehydration. It is believed that this has affected 98.9% of the civilian population of Chestahova. Visually, the anomaly has manifested as a massive dome surrounding the area, with estimates pointing it to be around 15 kilometers in diameter. Ground-penetrating radar has confirmed that the spheroid extends an equal distance into the Earth's crust. The surface of this bubble is translucent, emits a constant glow and a dull hum, and is iridescent. A three-person MTF team was sent into the area to re-establish contact with one of the Foundation's bases that was located inside. The team passes through the bubble without issue, traveling down a road that would lead them to Base 120. Surrounding them are numerous buildings that have been overtaken by plant growth, and they come across a large bus with lush bushes filling the interior and spilling out. They check inside of it for civilians, but only find various personal items lying on the seats that seem to have been abandoned. One of the team, however, remarks that there are grapes growing in the engine, and the team leader plucks a few grapes off the vine and puts them in his pocket. They continue down the road, passing by several bikes scattered on the ground covered in plant growth and with several birds nesting in their spokes. Eventually, they make it to Base 120, which, despite being a relatively new facility, is now heavily weathered and covered in a dense coat of moss. Its windows and doors are blanketed by a thin net of vines, and all of the plants seem to connect to the grass and shrubbery around the building, creating an illusion of a hill. One of the team cuts off a section of one of the vines on the windows and smells it, remarking that it's called kudzu, a rapidly growing vine that she remembers from her childhood in Georgia. It's certainly an odd sight to be growing here in Poland, but it is an anomaly after all. The team proceeds to cut through the plants to get to the front door, using a winch to pry it open. The interior appears abandoned, so they ask command over the radio if they have permission to enter. They get no response, however, so they decide to proceed with the mission until contact can be re-established. 
Before entering though, one of the team asks the others if they can hear a sound coming from the walls that sounds like a heartbeat. They don't hear anything though, so they proceed into the entryway, using controlled explosives to disable the locking mechanism for the main door. They begin descending down a staircase, choked with moss and vines, eventually reaching the door to the base's staff offices. Inside, they find the majority of the hallway to be covered in translucent cocoons. Within each one, an individual can be seen, none of them appearing injured, and they seem to be smiling. They cut open one of the cocoons, and a yellow-green fluid drains out, revealing the person inside to be the Senior Magister Cardinal of the base. The Cardinal is alive, but unconscious, and the team leader says that normally they'd call for a medvac, but it seems unnecessary given their circumstances. The best thing they can do is turn the power back on and try to find something here that can get everyone out. They continue down the corridor towards the power room, with the plants growing even thicker as they continue, and the team all start yawning. Two of the team collapse from fatigue, and the leader makes it into the power room but fails to turn the power back on before also collapsing, ending the log. We're then given a brief list of some of the different species encountered in and around the area, starting with various species of wild birds. Foundation observation posts have spotted a flock of several thousand birds of various species emerging from the bubble, circling the airspace for several hours before dispersing into the surrounding wilderness. A researcher leaves a note that if they can find a way to study the anomaly's methods, they may be able to find a practical use for it. They haven't seen a flock of this size since their childhood, from before the war. Next was a herd of roughly 15 Thompson's gazelle emerging from the bubble, followed closely by two Eurasian brown bears. Tracking teams briefly lost the organisms in the dense foliage of the area, before locating several of the gazelle emerging from the forest several kilometers southwest. The researcher notes that this is proof that the anomaly is capable of producing species foreign to Europe and they can no longer comfortably predict what might come out of there. Several instances of the Great Auk, an extinct species of flightless bird, were spotted by researchers after their resident ornithologist heard a bird call she didn't immediately recognize. They spotted the Great Auks on the cliffs nursing their young, and recovered two males, three females, and six juveniles, taking them into containment. This confirms that the anomaly is capable of bringing back extinct species, but the extent of this capability is unknown. The researcher wonders if they could maybe harness this power to turn back humanity's own aging. A massive herd of large bovine organisms, the extinct species known as aurochs, were seen heading north out of the area. The Foundation intercepted them and kept the 2,700 animals within SCP-6789's exclusionary zone. The last species listed are genetically mutated kapok trees, 
with the notes mentioning that plant growth within the area has accelerated far beyond what they previously recorded. The anomalous growth quickly expanded beyond the established perimeter line, covering native plant life and destroying several foundation-managed research stations, observation posts, and civilian settlements. There have also been unconfirmed reports of civilians and foundation operatives spontaneously losing consciousness. In light of these developments, further expeditions into the area have been indefinitely suspended, and continued research has been deemed a waste of foundation resources. Instead, the High Council has authorized a controlled burn of the new plant growth, and upon confirmation of the anomaly's annihilation, it will be reclassified as neutralized. In the next iteration of the file, however, from 1989, we can see that that went about as well as expected. SCP-6789 now refers to a roughly 315,000 square kilometer area that was previously referred to as the Republic of Poland. Following the events of April 1947, the anomaly increased in both size and speed of growth, and while its primary anomalous capabilities have remained consistent, it now demonstrates an ability to respond to external foundation stimuli. So far, this has resulted in its rapid expansion into the surrounding region, and active resistance towards containment efforts. It's estimated that 6789's rate of expansion has reached a peak of approximately 15 kilometers per hour, but so far the Foundation has been able to regulate this growth through sustained burns. Should this method fail, models predict that the collapse of the veil, the fundamental alteration of normality, and the collapse of global civilization will occur within 7 to 13 months. The exact mechanisms behind the anomaly's expansion are unknown, although analysis of its behavior reveals that it possesses a slight gravitation towards urban population centers. This knowledge was exploited by containment crews to slow its spread and isolate it to Poland, although 6789 still affects undeveloped land, albeit at a noticeably slower pace. Obviously, the loss of Poland was a pretty big deal, and it required one of the Foundation's largest wide-scale amnestic operations on urban populations. The combined resources of the Global Aberration Caucus, the Men of Rust and Bone, the Apostolic Undercouncil, Sphere of Protectorates, and the Lithuanian Academy of the Paranormal alongside the experimental use of the Y909 compound from SCP-3000 has resulted in the expungement of Poland from the collective unconscious. Foundation web crawlers have been successful in redacting lingering information online, and efforts are ongoing to track, destroy, or otherwise discredit references to Polish history or culture in print. At this point, only those with specialized training in counter-memetics are even capable of perceiving Poland, and although the total ramifications of this sort of wide-scale amnesia are unknown, it's believed to be preferable to the unchecked expansion of SCP-6789. 
That's not the real issue, however, as not only have a number of extinct species been spotted inside of the anomalies area, but there has also been sightings of several anomalous organisms which had previously been classified as neutralized. Notable examples include SCP-1000, the Children of the Night, and the Fae. Despite numerous previous historical examples of both of these races engaging in open hostility towards each other, they seem to be getting along just fine inside of the anomaly. Numerous crude structures and buildings similar to those believed to have been built by SCP-1000 instances during their Golden Age have been observed, with most of them appearing to act as housing units organized into basic townships. Their societies are complex, with functioning leaderships and efficient delegation of resources, and based on various artifacts collected, it's believed that the Area 6789 occupies was once a center of SCP-1000 activity prior to the fall of their civilization. Obviously, it was all fun and games until the weird forest started producing sapient anomalies, so the Foundation's Interspecies Negotiation Branch was immediately tasked with establishing contact. All of the personnel chosen for diplomacy were implanted with Foundation technology allowing for their enhanced understanding of esoteric forms of communication, and were subjected to extensive training on the customs and culture of SCP-1000. Unfortunately, due to the irregular and often hazardous terrain of the anomaly, direct contact with SCP-1000 has been unsuccessful. Instead, the Foundation has only found various messages left for them by the Children of the Night. These messages include, Do not attempt contact at the time. No reason to trust. We will respond with force. All entry into our reclaimed terrain will be understood as a violation of this request. Stop all attempts. We see your attempts. We will not warn again. Cease. Mother does not wish for us to meet with you. We therefore listen. Do as she says or meet the consequences. It seems that they're not too pleased with the Foundation, which isn't that surprising considering they practically committed genocide previously. Eventually though, the Foundation managed to capture one of them, and surprisingly, it was capable of speaking English. It was definitely hostile to them, spitting on the ground in disgust and stating that they are the reason the cleansing started in the first place. It compares SCP-6789 to a fever fighting back against a virus, and says that the Earth is rejecting humanity as her children. Humanity rejected Mother Nature's love, and her heart finally broke after all these years. It says that it is humanity's nature to destroy, and it doesn't matter how many times they try to reset themselves with their Yellowstone machine, this will always be their conclusion. When asked how it knows about SCP-2000, it just says that they learned things while humanity has fought amongst itself, and their mother has listened. The Children of the Night eventually forgave humanity for what they did, 
but the mother's heart is broken. She gave humanity life, and they showed her their true colors the moment she let them off her leash. Now she's finally waking up from her long dream of a perfect world, ready to take them to the time out they deserve. All humanity can do now is wait as Mother Nature does her job at neutralizing their poison, as she hasn't given up on them yet. No additional information could be gleaned from the SCP-1000 instance, which has since been relocated to permanent containment. The authorization of further projects to combat SCP-6789 is pending approval by High Command. Things don't sound great for normalcy at this point, and the next iteration of the file, from 2066, presents a pretty dire scenario. At this point, SCP-6789 is a worldwide occurring phenomenon, currently believed to encompass approximately 97% of the planet and 99.98% of its population. 6789 facilitates the rapid growth of organic life, leading to the emergence of floral superstructures and the manifestation of fauna believed to be long extinct. The entire anomaly seems to be interconnected, centered around a gigantic floral organism located in the former city of Czestochowa, Poland, which is theorized to have an expansive root system, granting it access to life on a global scale. The anomaly's growth pattern suggests signs of sentience, and it's theorized that behind the anomaly's actions lies a sentient, level 9 theologically ontokinetic entity, which is possibly the source of all life on Earth, or at least it played a major role in its formation. The anomaly possesses the ability to actively protect itself and adapt to any and all methods used by the Foundation against it, although its movements and adaptations are rather slow due to the extremely large area it now occupies. However, this is possibly due to it not having yet fully materialized its potential, as sources indicate that it is currently in a vegetative state, and with time, its speed and responsiveness appear to be exponentially increasing. The secondary effect of the anomaly's floral structures manifests whenever in proximity to any individual possessing a cognitive resistance value of less than 50. When this occurs, the individual will be placed into a permanent stasis for as long as they are within the area of influence. These individuals do not wither in any way, and in fact most individuals have been noted to become much healthier and stronger following incapacitation. All humans affected in this way have been observed to become encompassed in biological cocoons, which are theorized to protect them but the true purpose of this process is unknown at this time. Despite the global influence of the anomaly, it has been observed to be focused around industrial centers, and thus certain undeveloped areas such as the North Pacific Sea are relatively safe for human habitation. This is where the last bastion of the Foundation is located, on a naval base where the last remnants of humanity patrol the area to eliminate any growth that encroaches. 
So far, SCP-6789 has been responsible for bringing back approximately 90% of species previously extinct due to human action, and the creation of an incalculable amount of new ones. We're provided a short list of some various countries across the world and the effect that SCP-6789 has had on them. The United American Kingdoms have a baseline level of 6789 density, and following its manifestation in the North American continent, the Foundation's Yellowstone base had been lost. All personnel had been evacuated before the spread of 6789 into the Duchy of Wyoming, although SCP-2000 is still intact for some reason. Considering 6789's attraction to machinery, it should have been quickly destroyed. The Great Yellowstone Supervolcano, which was once monitored and restrained, has been noted to have ceased its volcanic activity, and most nearby areas previously thought to be inhospitable have been healed and are populated by wild flora and fauna alike. The Kingdom of Libya, however, has an extreme density of SCP-6789, and this has resulted in the total destruction of more than 274 industrial complexes, which were once the country's pride. Additionally, the connection between the Libyan Ocean and the mainland has been completely decontaminated, with the change being so extreme that even the Devil's Throat is now clear of all traces of oil contamination. Similarly, the Great Libyan Canal is once again accessible through the European Strait, despite being blocked by industrial waste for the last 27 years. The Antarctic Empire has a higher than baseline density, and despite the extremely harsh environment here, the plant growths did not struggle with adapting to the conditions. And in fact, most floral megastructures here were noted to be the largest on record. Growths here were noted to be universally dense regardless of human development, with the only exception to this being the complete destruction of the country's floating capital. It's theorized that this was caused by the city's proximity to the ozone hole. The Republic of Poland, of course, being the origin point for the anomaly, has an extremely high density of SCP-6789 growths. The most compact area is the core of the anomaly itself, where numerous formations and structures which do not appear to be present anywhere else in the world are located, with examples including trees larger than 100 meters in height, and half-transparent biological domes acting as insulative barriers for the most polluted areas. All such places have been noted to heal much more quickly, with instruments noting that Poland's once poisonous groundwater is now at an almost perfect level of quality. Fish and other water life have since repopulated these waterways as they did before the Industrial Revolution. Finally, the Tuvalu states present a rather unique situation, as the density of SCP-6789 here is extremely low, with almost no plants existing across the entire country. The Tuvalu states account for more than 75% of the planet's surface that has yet to succumb to 6789, 
with the only parts of the country having been affected, are the highly populated industrial complexes, although these account for less than 0.0001% of the country's area. Although an attempt was made at establishing a foundation base here, all expeditions were met with failure due to resistance from SCP-6789 towards all construction efforts. The foundation is on their last legs at this point, but that doesn't mean they're finished. The High Council had a few plans left to try before throwing in the towel, starting with a proposal to use a number of foundation physicists, thaumaturgists, and theologists to conduct rituals to contact the deity located within 6789's core, and either imprison, reason with, destroy, or otherwise neutralize it. All 13 members of the council approved this plan, but despite the ritual's perfect execution, no answer from the deity was received. Later they tried a proposal in which they would develop an anomalous disease that specifically targeted 6789's floral structures, and use it to reclaim critical foundation bases and habitation centers. Eight members of the council voted yes, with two voting no and seemingly three of them now missing. Despite the development and release of said disease, 6789 structures seem to have developed total immunity in less than a month. Ten proposals later, the council decides to utilize Project Lethe from SCP-3002 to metaphysically destroy the concept of industrialization from the entirety of the human psychospace. They would then await the total collapse of all SCP-6789 structures, then resume human life as normal. Five vote yes, one abstained, and two voted no, with five members now missing. Despite a perfect execution of the protocol, no results were observed. The 43rd proposal was to use Foundation-made spacecrafts to leave Earth and attempt to populate one of several habitable exoplanets. The proposal was approved, with four voting yes and three voting no, and two Foundation spacecrafts were constructed using the combined resources of the American National Aviation Administration and the Prussian Aeronautics Society. Five hours prior to the launch of the vessels, SCP-6789 emerged rapidly within the launch facility, and personnel and vessels are considered lost. Next, they tried using Project Lethe to propagate lethal mimetic triggers and eliminate all of humanity barring the High Council, and wait for the natural death of all SCP-6789 structures before using SCP-2000 to repopulate the Earth. Three voted yes, and two voted no, but despite the activation of the triggers, SCP-6789 structures appeared to prevent the activation of the trigger's lethal phase, nullifying its success. The last proposal, number 67, was to use Project Lethe and collude mimetic triggers from SCP-4002 to revert humanity's state of development to pre-industrial times through the degradation of brain development. 
They would then await total destruction of modern infrastructure by SCP-6789 and the release of all individuals from its effect. The Ennui Protocol would be applied following its success to amnesticize all of humanity of the events. Only one member of the High Council remained to vote, and the proposal was accepted. What seems to have happened then is about 50,000 years ago, the Earth was more or less reset by a nature deity, and humanity was sent back to the Stone Age, with no memory of what happened. Time moved forward, and although there have been some big differences in the development of human civilization, such as there not being an Antarctic Empire anymore, much of history has repeated. That brings us to the latest iteration of the file, which 051 sends to 059, and says that this is a draft that was just submitted to the system. The description of this SCP-6789 is that of a roughly 20 meter by 20 meter area of space located within the sub-basement boiler room of the Rolander General Steel Factory in Czestochowa, Poland within which the growth speed of organic material is greatly increased. It's capable of hosting a microcosm of floral and faunal life, and several eyewitnesses claim to have felt a rhythmic pulsing originating from within the area. These claims are unverified and are being investigated, with further research pending. This certainly isn't the first article to focus on the idea of humanity being a sort of virus that nature needs to purge, especially with the theme of the SCP-6000 contest being based around nature. What sets it apart, however, are some of the unique elements that make up the alternate history before everything was wiped away. Obviously, comparisons to climate change are unavoidable, with the general idea being that Earth will still be here long after humans are gone. One has to wonder, though, how far humanity would have gotten had they not all been set back thousands of years in development. Or perhaps these events never actually happened, and the files were instead fabricated as a warning. After all, what are the odds of there being two Rolander steel factories in Poland across 50,000 years? <laughs> 